Hi, everybody. There we go. Now I hear me. Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where it is post-Pesach, and at this point, I don't know anyone who isn't on a diet. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch. And actually, it's not Nachum's live lunch today. I will be hosting the live lunch. Nachum is in transit after a long and well, well-deserved Pesach vacation. Uh, do my eyes deceive me? It looks like Yoni Pollock behind the board today returned from Houston. His, uh, he's so happy to be back here in rainy New York, but at least, you know, at least you're back. Welcome back. Hope you had a nice yantif. He's uh, just busy producing behind the board. Today, folks, Chinese Language Day is August 20th. It's also National Cheddar Fries Day, which I'm not sure how one participates in. Um, I'm sure it has something to do with eating cheddar cheese on fries, but totally not my thing. It's also High Five Day, so a shout-out to Mayor Kay. I'm sure that Mayor Kay has something going on because, you know, he is the man of the hour when it comes to the um, when it comes to high-fiving people. If you haven't seen that Mayor Kay video, you really should check it out. I am, like, moving quickly through things because we have two guests today, both of whom are very exciting. I want to do the fortune cookie, though. I want to get to that fortune cookie because it's post-Pesach. We, you know, we should get some fortune cookies in. Yoni, I just need you to make my cans a lot louder, if you don't mind. Um, let's go here to the fortune cookie. There we go. Answer just what your heart prompts you. Well, I guess we know that when it comes to me, that's not always a great idea. Sometimes a little filtering goes a long way. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My first guest joins me. Daryl Roth is the lead producer of Indecent, which just opened on Tuesday on Broadway. She holds the singular distinction of producing seven Pulitzer Prize winning plays and over 100 award winning productions, including 20 Tony Award nominations and 10 Tony Awards. Highlights include Kinky Boots, The Normal Heart and Decent, Edward Albee's Three Tall Women and Wit. There are a number of plays on Broadway right now, productions on Broadway, I should say, that include her name. But coming up at the gala concert celebrating women on Mother's Day, benefiting the National Yiddish Theater Folksbina at the Skirball Center on May 14th, we have the great opportunity of honoring 10 different women who all hold different prominent roles in society, including... Broadway producer Daryl Roth. Daryl, good morning. Do we have Daryl? No, I something wrong with the line. Let's check that back in a second. Meanwhile, <laughs> I can do that whole introduction again, which is fine. It's totally the uh, <laughs> it is completely earned. That is that is completely earned, including ten honorees, including Daryl Roth. Daryl, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well. Happy to have you on the line. Sorry about that little technical glitch a second ago. No problem. I appreciate the fact that this must be a crazy busy week for you. So taking the time to join us this morning is truly appreciated. I want to wish you congratulations and, of course, in these circles, a mazel tov. For <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a busy week, but it's a joyous week. It, it certainly must be, and I'm sure you've been holding late nights. I hope this isn't too early. No, I'm an early bird. I'm happy to talk to you. And the late nights are actually at the theater, so there's no place I'd rather be. <laughs> that sounds great. You are one of 10 women being honored by the folks, Bina, on May 14th at this Mother's Day concert, 
which is celebrating women and benefiting benefiting the folks being a, our leading ladies is what the the production is called and it's truly exciting and and a wonderful way to celebrate Mother's Day. You represent the the role and contribution Jewish women have made in the theater industry. How meaningful is that to you? Well, it's extremely meaningful to me because I have tried uh, over the many years I've been producing to to represent, you know, playwrights and plays and stories that capture and celebrate our Jewish heritage and culture. And so I'm very happy about that. You know, also my work has included, you know, dealing with issues of gender and uh, censorship and immigration and all the things that are meaningful to us as a people in our history and our culture, but also today. So, so I'm very honored, and, and I'm grateful to be included in such an amazing uh, group of women, each stellar in their own fields. So um, it's, it's quite lovely, and I'm grateful. It's certainly exciting that the evening is going to be hosted by Tova Felcha, who in her own right, not only is a proud Jewish woman, takes the stage, uh, having assumed roles like Golda, which is probably one of the first one- actor actress play that i have ever seen Mm -hmm. um which was a phenomenal production but she also speaks to the same heritage and speaks to the same drive of well representing not just not just the jewish people but jewish women in broadway and on on stage she does she's an amazing woman and has certainly uh shown in her career and in her private life and public life Uh, how much she can do and represent us. I had the great pleasure of working on a play with Tova where it was called Irena's Vow, and she actually played uh, a non-Jewish woman who sheltered 12 Jews during the Holocaust in the basement of a home of a Nazi official. It was an incredible story. She was amazing, and, you know, everything she brings to the stage is, is just magical and, and, you know, magnificent. But this was a role where she was telling the story of, you know, a piece of our history, of course, but told from the eyes of a woman who was a good Christian, trying to do the right thing, trying to be, you know, the person that would be helping and, and showing others in the, in in the world, you know, how to be a good person. So she's amazing to work with. I'm thrilled that she's um, hosting this evening, which will make it even more special. Yes. No, it it seems like a a wonderful lineup, and you are in the midst of other very established and and profoundly impressive women that yeah. night. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, you know, Jews and Broadway have both a, a longstanding union and a very complicated history. I, I'm wondering how much of your background, I know, reading up a little bit, you're a born, bred New Jersey girl, um, mm-hmm. and you went to NYU. And obviously, you know, the 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 tri-state area, we all raise ourselves together. How much did your upbringing, your background, um, and your tradition lead to your life in theater? I think that my upbringing had a very deep impact on on the uh, career that I've chosen, number one, but, but the choices of plays and uh, productions that I've chosen to do is very much informed by my upbringing. I grew up in New Jersey, as you said, uh, to a very loving 
family who who celebrated our Jewish heritage and our Jewish tradition. In fact, my father, may he rest in peace, was one of the founders of the synagogue that we belonged to in a town that was next door to the town that we actually lived in. Wow. So the school that I went to, which was not in that town where the temple was, I was the only Jewish person in my school. And that experience, for me, I think informed my... Um, my love of my heritage, my strength, my courage, my uh, my sense of feeling an outsider and realizing that I'm not alone in that feeling, certainly, but that realizing that stories about outsiders can actually empower other people who have those feelings. So whether it was being the only Jewish student which, of course, changed the moment I went to Syracuse University, where I started. (laughs) I actually finished my education at NYU. Um, I think it meant a great deal to to the way I think about things. I mean, the plays that I choose often have to do with with outsiders, people who feel marginalized, people who who need a voice. And so I would say that my upbringing in New Jersey, which was happy as can be and certainly surrounded by love, and surrounded by theater because my parents loved a good musical and took my sister and me to see as many as many productions as, as we could see, luckily living not too far from New York. So I would say that my upbringing, and I don't think this is untrue of most people, had a great deal to do with informing my life, my choices, my feelings, my, my priorities. And you've had a lot of camaraderie, I'm sure, in Broadway, where there are numerous Jews who are both behind the scenes and on stage, many of whom also, if not all of whom, as I can't speak for the entire group, but also use their heritage as a source of strength, telling stories that need to be told that aren't always told. And again, as you say, you you often choose stories with strong um strong women, strong female voices, which certainly (laughs) speaks. I I don't know anyone who has grown up in a home where there hasn't been a strong female voice. A a, a Jewish mother has a a voice that can be heard around the world. So it would seem that when you got to Broadway, and one of the things I loved most about your story is how you developed, you say you developed your career in your 40s. So so when when you got to Broadway, there were plenty of other people who were basically waiting there for you. Well, I started my career, uh, as you say, in my 40s, um, in the midst of raising my family and having had other opportunities in my life. Um, I started mostly producing Off-Broadway, which is a place I'm still very comfortable and feel that many, many beautiful stories should be told in that intimate setting. Um, um, I did start producing on Broadway later on, but over the last 29 or almost 30 years, I have found that theater can be made and and be presented anywhere. You know, Broadway is a geographic location that has many other exciting and thrilling implications. But theater, good theater, can thrive in many places. Um, as it happens, I, I have some wonderful productions that have been on Broadway, that are on Broadway now, Kinky Boots, which, of course, we're so proud of, right. and, and now Indecent. I feel that, you know, that the climate for theater that pushes boundaries and exposes ourselves has always been something that I'm interested in, uh, whether or not it's off-Broadway or on-Broadway. 
Daryl Roth joins us this morning. She is a 10-time Tony Award-winning... Wow, is that a mouthful? Congratulations. <laughs> Tony Award-winning Broadway producer who has produced over 90 productions on and off Broadway. She is one of the leading women being honored by the Folks Bina at the Mother's Day concert entitled Our Leading Ladies. It features a remarkable cast of female singers, actors, and entertainers. It is to benefit the National Yiddish Theater Folks Bina at the Skirball on May 14th. Tickets are certainly available. There is so much um, further to discuss also about um, productions and, and and heritage. But I also just want to make mention, because I think this is so important, that you and your husband were the principal donors to the Roth Center for Jewish Life at Dartmouth. And, yes, that is true. We're very proud of that. I, I, I'm sure. I mean, you you there's a, there's a piece in the Dartmouth College paper saying that you felt uncomfortable taking the most recent award because you're not an alum, but clearly related to alums. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think that, that you're you're not just telling our story on stage, but also making sure that the next generation is learning our story. Should they not, you know, be able to sit in the audience of one of the great productions, there is still on campus, especially when American campuses right now have a tremendous amount of push and pull, shall we say, um, in terms of minorities and, and incomers and Jews and different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So how important is that, is the Roth Center to your overall picture? Well, it was very important to us. Our daughter went to Dartmouth. My husband started the family tradition there, but our daughter and son-in-law actually also uh, graduated from Dartmouth, and we feel very, very close to that particular college. At the time that my daughter was there, there was a great deal of anti-Semitism on campus, and it was very bothersome to us. And so when she graduated and we were in the fortunate position of being able to, you know, to do something that could make a difference, when we talked about it within our family, we decided that, that having a, a Jewish center on campus where everyone could be comfortable coming. And in fact, it has become the place where where political discussions and, and discussions of humanity and not only religious services can take place, but celebrations of all faiths. And so Dartmouth had a small Hillel house, but it was not as well located and it wasn't, you know, as welcoming, shall we say. Right. And so that became our gift. And uh, we're very proud of it, and, and students are taking great advantage of it over these many years that it's in existence. Uh, also, I would say, just apropos of Dartmouth, tomorrow, Friday, um, we're having a group of Dartmouth women um, come to see Indecent, which is the play oh, wow. that is currently on Broadway, written by Paula Vogel, and, and you know, it has the whole God of Vengeance in Yiddish right. uh, storytelling. And so I feel that there's a nice kind of lovely full circle that the, the Roth Center for Jewish Life has now uh, kind of moved, moved to another realm. And I think that everyone's heritage on any campus should be recognized and celebrated. And I think that that's what we tried to do, and I feel it's been successful. Um, so... I think I think that that's great, and those those lucky attendees 
tomorrow will certainly enjoy what sounds like to me an unbelievable production. I joke that um, the... You must come see it. We I, need you. <laughs> I would love to come see it. The truth be told is that I had received um, in advance of our conversation a copy of the... Re- a link, I should say. I'm dating myself. A link to the review posted by Ben Brantley uh, from the New York Times. And I joked. I'm like, who needs it? I have a friend who was there at opening night. He said it was great. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the Jewish connection certainly tops the uh, the review from, from Ben Brantley. But well, we had many, many good reviews. I would say that some people really understood the meaning of this play and the beauty of the staging and, and the remarkable magic that happens on stage. Um, Jeremy Gerard gave us a magnificent review. Um, so many of the other papers really, really understood the heartfelt message of it. And, um, you know, theater is all about word of mouth. Right. My best advice <laughs> for anyone listening is to come and experience this beautiful play and Last night we had a group from the AJC, about 80 people were there. We did a little talk back after and people were sobbing, sobbing from the experience, but with joy because this is a play that really, you know, it exposes so much about our, our heritage in this particular um, this particular story is so moving, and and it's for people that love theater. It's about a troupe of theater actors who have, you know, who have traveled the world in the 1920s performing this play by Sholomash. And when they finally get to America, the courts banned the play. They called it indecent. Right. Why, you may say, two women <laughs> kissed on stage in 1923, and that was. <laughs> That was horrible. And, and that, that was, was that. Despicable. But it wasn't really about that. It was truly about so many other things when it always is, you know, it's it it's about immigration. It's about not welcoming people. It's about anti Semitism. It's it's a challenging and very complex story. Um but the beauty of the production, and I must say this, is the music that is woven through and brings such joy and such hope. Uh, the music is, you know, sort of klezmer in style and just beautiful, just beautiful. And so, you know, being able to present something like this for people that, um, you know, theater goers that like right. to really be moved and, and have an experience and, and love theater. This is the play to see. Well, I look forward very much to getting my own tickets, and I wish you congratulations uh, not only on the production but on the upcoming um, honoree as uh, one of the ten remarkable women again being honored by the folks being at our leading ladies the at the Skirball Center on May 14th. It is a Mother's Day concert, so do not miss it. It is, it is certainly a good gift to give your mother. Daryl, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My second guest, Jay Schultz, originally from Fairlawn, New Jersey. I just had to add that in because as a shout out to Rabbi Yudin, of course, he is the founder, not Rabbi Yudin, but Jay Schultz is the founder and CEO of Adopt Asafta. Good morning, Jay. Uh, good morning to you. Good afternoon to me. <laughs> Fair point, yes, as you are calling me from Israel. Uh, adopt a Safta is, um, again, something that many people have unfortunately not heard of, but its goal is to take care of Israel's lonely Holocaust survivors. Tell me how this organization evolved. Sure. First, first, let me say thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to let American Jews know about the important work we're doing here in Tel Aviv, Ir HaKodesh. So, <laughs> Pleasure. I grew, up in, I grew up in Fairland, New Jersey, grandson of Holocaust survivors. I made Aliyah 
about ten and a half years ago. And when I got to Israel, um, I had no friends and family that that really I knew of uh, upon arriving. But I found a third cousin of my grandfather from the original shtetl who was living in Haifa. And I went to visit her. I didn't know her growing up. And even though I had no friends and family in Israel, she became my adopted grandmother. Mm. Upon arriving on Aliyah, which could be a difficult, lonely experience, having that connection to someone in Israel, someone who, even though I've adopted as, as, as a grandparent, meant the, the world to me. Of course, she had her own complications, being elderly in general, being a survivor specifically. It did a lot for her, and we'll talk more about what it does for the survivor, having this connection with a young generation. But as a young person, having that vibrant connection to someone who needed to hear me call and say Shabbat Shalom, who if I didn't call, she would call me saying, why didn't you call, gave me as a new arrival in the land of Israel this tremendous emotional and physical connection that changed my reality for the good. Now, Israeli Holocaust survivors. There's about 150,000 that we have left, as, as you can all understand. We have only a few years left with this holy generation, and they have a lot of problems. Elderly in general have problems. Holocaust survivors, of course, have their extra struggles. But in Israel specifically, unlike survivors like my grandparents who ended up emigrating to America, they have much more concerning situation relative mm-hmm. to food, right. medicine, housing. They don't get the same financial support that my grandparents got direct from the German government, for instance. And yet, the number one complaint of the majority of the 150,000 or so survivors left in Israel is simple loneliness. And loneliness is a disease all around the world of anyone for any age. But of course, for the survivor population, Chaval, what a pain in my heart it was to learn that that the number one complaint, on top of all of their other real physical concerns, is that. And then I also realized I went through the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And I had a population, my young Olim population of Israel, like myself, had a tendency to, to also be lonely, coming, moving without friends and family to Israel. And there's this massive population of the elderly survivors that also have that issue. And, you know, I, I also understood that loneliness isn't something in the best of circumstances the government should be taken care of. So fast- maybe the government is. Yeah, please. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, so fast forward to today. You started this as, as an Olech Hadash, and it's just you. So fast forward today. How many I, people have adopted sure. Saftas? So we have thousands across Israel, wow. mostly in the Tel Aviv, Gush Dan, and Yerushalayim areas, but it's, it's, been, it's been thousands. We, we've, we've been active now for about five years. Um, it's been growing dramatically each year. The, the model is a big brother, big sister model where you really have a, an individual adopting a grandparent. It's a real relationship. There's a minimum commitment uh, of one year, once a week. Um, met many elderly in general, it's so important to have consistency in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we wanted to make sure that those stepping up to do the volunteering were themselves committed and serious right. individuals. Right. That's there, also, there, there's a tr- yeah, that's yeah. all, that's always a, that's always a concern. You know, when you deal with an army of volunteers, it's hard to look at them and say, listen, you're not doing your part because then they turn around and say, well, I'm not getting paid. So it, it's, it's obviously important and it's, it's a great, 
um, you know, basic tenet, I guess, of the organization that you need to be in it. Like if you're having skin in the game, it's a year. We're looking at a, at, a, at once a week, but you're looking at a full year commitment. I think that's that's a great premise. For for sure. And, and, and also, I, I want to say volunteers aren't free. Any volunteer run nonprofit organization, I myself am a volunteer, aren't free. It takes tremendous amount of training, oversight. And by the way, we're not just throwing names in a hat and slapping people together. There's a serious shidduch process, matchmaking process, connecting the volunteer with the correct grandmother or grandfather. Oh, by the way, I just want to make note to your listeners, the name of the organization may be Adopta Safta. Um, I named it in honor of my grandmother who had passed, uh, Katie Friedman. But the, we, we help the grand, the grandfathers also. Wow. The Abbas <laughs> are, are also taken care of. It's an all, yeah, it's, an, throw, it's all inclusive. All inclusive. We, and we don't throw names in a hat. It, it, it takes an intensive amount of, by the way, we have full-time professional social workers doing this work, interviewing individual candidates, making sure that we match people based on language. You know, thankfully, we have Olim and Israel from all over the world. And many survivors would prefer, like my grandparents, speaking their original language, which, whether it be German, Polish, Yiddish, Russian, French, and so so many young Olim, what's unique about this population, they also have that. That's incredible. So we connect people on, on, on language, of course, geography, what's convenient for both parties. Um, and so there, there are some basics that, that we match up on paper, but like any relationship, it's it's about chemistry, right? And, and each and each individual, we don't tell them what to do. There, there are certainly things not to do. Our, our volunteers aren't in there to be social workers. They're not in there to be nurses and maids. Uh, they're not in there to be the the healthcare providers. Certainly not. Although they first they are the first eye eye on, on of defense in, in worsening situations. Oh, if, interesting. If they see specific issues. Then, then their job is to report to our social workers who will then take, whether it be the medical or physical needs on professionally, whether through the government or other nonprofit organizations, um, they're there to be a granddaughter or grandson. They're mm-hmm. there to build their own relationship. And whether it is spending time at a cafe or reading a book together or watching a movie together or yenting about your dating mm-hmm. life, the relationship take, takes on its own course. And, and you're offering and you're offering a training session in Tel Aviv. There's a Tel Aviv Adoption Training Center with Maccabi Healthcare, which is, as they say, a first step towards adopting your new grandparents, taking place next Wednesday, April 26th at 5 p.m. The location is the Maccabi Headquarters, 11 Menachem Begin Street in Tel Aviv. That's on the 19th floor. And the cost is free. Just bring your heart and soul. It's really... Um, it, it's it's amazing that the that what it only takes is your heart and soul but but obviously that is completely tongue in cheek when you're looking to connect with another human being somebody who is who is desperately needing that connection and frankly somebody who is deserving of that connection there is more than just the heart and soul involved uh for 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 sure but the reward the return on investment as it were <laughs> is infinite and of course, again, no matter how much we are doing for the needy survivor, for the volunteer, I think comes away with so much more. It's a lifetime of knowledge. And, and then we also believe in intergenerational Jewish continuity of memory and tradition and storytelling. And these types of things only happen really ultimately from the grandparent-grandchild relationship that we're trying to build. And there, and the the average age at this point of a Holocaust survivor living in Israel is is what 
I mean, the generation is the generation is dying off, and as tragically as as that sounds, it is true. Uh, for, for sure, I, I, I'm not I'm not going to give you the the scientific exact answer, but but anecdotally, it's in the upper 80s wow. is probably the average. Um, the you know also I want to say in terms of survivors we work with um, in the last five years or so there's, there's been a, a widening of the tent as it were of, of of who a survivor is and there's been a lot of former Soviet Union um, olim mm. that have been in the that have been included in what it means to be a survivor you know there's very few let's say traditional Auschwitz with your numbers on your arm like my grandparents survivors. Um, that 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 still are with us, and even by the way, North African Jews. There are the, the Nazis were in North Africa, and right. and who was affected in World War II by the Nazis is today considered in in that framework. And by the way, uh, in terms of that widening definition, one of the reasons we named the organization Adopt the Safta is because we know we have unfortunately, X number of years left right. with the survivor population, and that the organization would then grow beyond the survivor definition and be about young people taking care of the elderly uh, in general. I also just want to make mention that this Sunday, April 23rd, from 8 to 9.30 p.m., there is a Tel Aviv community Yom HaShoah memorial ceremony and in-person Holocaust survivor testimonies also presented by Adopt a Safta. That location is 126 Ben Yehuda. That cost is also free, but as we say, it's a tremendous return on your investment because clearly you are you are hearing the first person testimonials of the people who lived lived that horror. Just a quick question, Jay, because we are so out of time and I sure. feel terribly and and I would like to follow up another time. Quick question: How people can get more information or get more information about the events? Yeah, of course. Please come to adoptasafta.com, A-D-O-P-T-A-S-A-F-T-A.com. You can sign up to register to adopt a grandparent or just donate. That we're, we're always in desperate need of hiring more social workers to do this important work. Thank you very much, Jay. Adoptasafta.com. Kola Kavod to you. Continued Hatzlacha. And, and thank you. Thank you for what you are doing on behalf of this unbelievable generation. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We are completely out of time. Never thought I'd see that facial expression from Yoni, only from Avrami. But we are sorely out of time. We'll continue here with the live lunch in just a few moments. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.